When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. In 20 minutes, we play GTFO or Oh Yeah, plus some super contest picks and lightning bets before we wrap up the show as well. Alongside Ed Egros and Aaron Hawksworth, I'm Chris Mack in for Joe Ostrowski today, tomorrow and Monday. And yes, plenty of NFL to talk about. We've been all over the Thursday night game and the rest of Sunday's slate. But you know what happens between Thursday and Sunday? It's conference championship weekend in college football. So we bring in our guy, college football analyst Parker Fleming at Stats War on Twitter, where those infographics, I like to use that word because it makes me sound smart, Parker, those infographics, they are my Bible before I sit down to watch games and try to handicap them. So much information, so many numbers, and I love it all. And here's the thing. I look at those things, and not once this year have I thought about the possibility of a Pac-12 title game between the Ducks and the Huskies where Oregon on a neutral field is favored by nine and a half. Am I crazy or is the world crazy? It's one of those weird things, man, where we're just, it's been the consensus, even after they played that game, that Oregon has been the better team. I had Oregon favored by a touchdown in Seattle. And, you know, they just, uh, uh, some negative variance on a couple finished drives there. And uh, they've honestly looked like the better team. Washington's offense, like one, put aside, put everything about Michael Penix, maybe feeling sick under the weather the last couple weeks. We'll put that in a box. That's important to remember. But their offense has still been great. They're fifth in EPA per play. uh, And Oregon's is second. So two of the best offenses in the nation here, and that's adjusting for opponent. The difference in this game and why I have Oregon favored again um, is that Oregon's defense has been eighth in EPA per play. Washington's is down to 28th. Specifically, Washington, 15th in EPA per pass, but they're 67th in the FBS, in EPA per rush. What does Oregon like to do? Well, they want to rush with, with Irving. They want to, they want to be uh, multidimensional on offense. Oregon, fifth in EPA per pass, fifth in EPA per rush. So present a very, very balanced attack against the Washington defense, which is really the, you know, the roughest unit on the field. That being said, gets to 10. Maybe I'm interested in Washington here. Uh, that's a very big spread for a game that's, that's very competitive. You know, Washington's been able to coast um, and hopefully get Michael Penix right. I think Oregon's very clearly the better team, but as we saw, Washington Washington is capable of scoring at will on almost anyone, and they're going to really put the pressure on Oregon to finish drives, which is what decided the first game. So I'm not, I, I'm, I'm not, I have this by about five. Given the Penix news and, and kind of what's been going on, I'm not as interested in Oregon as a favorite, but man, we, we hit 10 at some places, and, and I'm thinking about pulling the trigger on Washington there. 
No, that, that makes a whole lot more sense. And, uh, you know, Parker, if you want to reset real fast, since I know we're having a couple of audio issues, uh, I'll give you a chance to do that. Uh, but in the meantime, I think one of the big storylines when we're talking about uh, championship week, and certainly in the ACC, we're talking about this a great bit, in terms of what to do with Florida State. They are two and a half point favorites against Louisville. Uh, but then also, too, you look at the American. Uh, SMU will be without Preston Stone. And so that number has moved a little bit uh, in SMU's direction. But uh, Tulane, a three and a half point favorite here. And it is something where, uh, Parker, when we're talking about uh, what to do with these two games, when you have quarterbacks where there's very little data to go off of, uh, how do you make those necessary adjustments? Do you just uh, consider them, say, replacement level quarterbacks? Do you go back to recruiting numbers, things like that? What do you do about SMU and Florida State without their star quarterbacks? It's very hard to know what to do there. Um, and I think it's interesting because I wouldn't treat those two teams the same. SMU's strength this season has actually been their defense. Their offense is 64th in EPA per play. So uh, pretty, you know, it's, it's not the SMU of the last couple of years where they are high flying and dropping 70 on everybody. They have scored a little bit, but I think the prototype for SMU in this game with or without Stone is to... Uh, muck things up, kind of get into that, you know, Oklahoma game uh, earlier this season where they were mm -hmm. able to stop that offense and then and then score enough to keep it sort of close-ish. But um, so, you know, Stone to me, I, I have SMU favored outright if we had all-season data and a healthy Stone. Without Stone, I'm going to stay away from a side here because I just don't know how much I can trust SMU's offense. I like an under there because that's going to put more emphasis on SMU's strength. Um, on the other hand, when we talk about Florida State, their offense has absolutely been the driver of this team. They're seventh, and a lot of what they've succeeded at is um, Jordan Travis improvising and creating and finding Keon Coleman and Johnny Wilson downfield, uh, bolstered by a really good running attack with Benson there. So uh, it, it's going to matter a little bit more for Florida State. I think Florida's tackling last week did Florida State a lot of favors. I'm not sure Louisville is going to make those mistakes. So I'd actually, um, whereas in the SMU game, I'm not interested in a side, but a total. For this game, I actually like Louisville's the underdog because Travis is so important to what Florida State wants to do on offense. Parker, I want to get to Georgia, Alabama, and Alabama just barely beat Auburn, so that was a little bit of a scare for them. This spread at 6.5, total 54.5. I'm curious what you like in this one, and is there any chance Alabama could beat Georgia, and then what would happen with the committee if that <laughs> happens? Um, well, I think I think the first thing that stands out to me about that is it's very funny that what we have in front of us is still on the table for Georgia to go one and two against Alabama and still win three national championships in a row. Uh, in the sense of college football hilarity, that's got to be up there on the scale, right? Um, I've got this by, you know, Georgia by about four, a 60% win probability there. And I think a couple things really, really stand out that, that are going to be... Um, decisive in favor in favor of Georgia here. One we saw last week, Jalen Milrow was pressured 15 times. Auburn made him very uncomfortable and said, we know you want to run the dink and bomb. You want to hit the short pass or you want to hit something super long. You can't really thrive in those intermediate areas. And what I like about uh, what Auburn did was, you know, just kind of set up and said, we're going to be disruptive on the offensive line. 
um, and we're going to make you make those intermediate throws, except for one play that worked out pretty well last week for them. So I think Georgia will be able to create more havoc up front. I think that you can't put too much stock in what Georgia did against Georgia Tech. Obviously, McConkie and um, Bowers were out. They were, you know, riding riding a little bit uh, and, and taking a breather there. Um, I think Georgia will be able to have a lot of offensive wrinkles given that they found an identity with Bowers out and have him back. And I think that their offense will be able to score um, in a way that they can't. That being, or in a way that um, Alabama necessarily can't. That being said, one thing to really look at here is that Carson Beck has been pressured on only 21.4% of, uh, of dropbacks there. Um, Jalen Milrow pressured on 40%. So if Alabama, you know, you look at Dallas Turner on the edge, if Alabama can create some havoc, get Beck uncomfortable, he's young, he's inexperienced, he's grown a lot this year, but you can't let him sit back there. So I think Alabama's, um, edge rushing ability should should really be able to disrupt a little bit there. And that's kind of Alabama's path to win. But I have this as uh, Alabama at 17th in, in raw EPA per play margin, Georgia at 11th. Um, and I think that the decisive uh, factor in this game is just going to be that Georgia will be able to make Milrow have to improvise more and, and get him off script. And that really favors the Bulldogs. College football analyst Parker Fleming with us here on BetQL Daily. Let me let me take a step back and take more of a 50,000-foot view of the CFP picture here, Parker. Um, if Alabama wins, they're in. Um, they'll have beaten Georgia, SEC champ, only one loss. But that one loss will have come at the hands of the Longhorns, who 14.5-point favorites, I believe it is, against Oklahoma State on Saturday afternoon. So let's say it comes down to that. Let's say we're looking at a, at a at a playoff picture where one loss Bama has beaten Georgia for the SEC title. One loss Georgia has only that one loss in the last two years, but it just came to Bama. And you've got Texas sitting there was a one loss Big 12 champ, but they beat Bama. I wrap my head around this and whether we're taking the four best teams or we're taking the four most deserving teams. I am of the opinion that everything the committee has done from the first ranking until now is entirely for show, is entirely TV ratings, um, you know, and just just content and really doesn't have bearing on the future. Um, I, I do think it's possible Texas gets left out in that scenario. I don't think they should, but I, you know, I'm not going to advocate for that too loudly being a uh, TCU grad who lived through 2014, 2011, <laughs> 2010, TCU didn't get the benefit of the doubt. Uh, you know, hate to, hate to see it. Right. But realistically, I think that the, the biggest thing the committee is going to do is select whoever plausibly they can, that's going to have the biggest, uh, viewership and the most compelling matchup. So that leads more towards best. And if there's any backlash about who gets left out, they're going to say, Hey, tune in next year. We have 12 teams. Like this won't be a problem. That's going to be, that's why we're doing this and, and be able to hype that up there. So I think that if Georgia doesn't win, the SEC, they should not get it. Um, I think that, it, you know, that that that's going to be really, really hard. I think that if you're Texas, you're just rooting for uh, no upsets this weekend and, and trying to sneak in there, making sure you fend off Oregon. Um, I guess Louisville would be an upset. You need you need Louisville to win there uh, just to clear the lane a little bit. But it is it is murky. Um, Brian Fremo, I'm sure you guys know on, on Twitter, BCF Toys has uh, uh, is his website. He's got a little graphic about the possibilities. I was clicking through this morning just before I got on. That is it is fun to check out about, you know, what's the probability we get a one loss champion uh, or, or X number of um, undefeated champions. It's very, very murky. And I think the committee's not going to stay up too late at night sweating about it because they're just going to say, hey, next year there's 12. So it doesn't matter. 
Well, and and to follow up on that, you can now bet on playoff exactas. Uh, seeing the favorite being Georgia, Michigan, Oregon, and Florida State at plus one eighty five. Georgia, Michigan, Oregon, and Texas. That's at plus two seventy with the second shortest odds. I'm curious, you know, if, if the belief is true that all of these rankings up to this point were for show. Uh, on the one hand, uh, you know, that makes a whole lot of sense because it's very easy to, you know, twist and, and manipulate arguments uh, leading up to the final week. Yet at the same time, we've never seen a team uh, go from, say, seven or worse up into the top four. We have seen a six before get into the top four, and I believe Ohio State did that uh, the very first year. Sorry to bring that up. My apologies. Uh, but when it comes to, say, like betting on exactas, if, say, that's a market uh, worth looking into, are there any weird possibilities? Is there, say, some random team uh, that could be left out or could sneak back in, say, like an Ohio State or like an Alabama or something like that? Yeah, so it's it's tough. Um, I, I do think that the committee's being a little bit coy. Texas is going to get, if they win this weekend, they'll have another top 20 win. So I think they'll jump Ohio State very easily. And then if Florida State and Oregon uh, lose, maybe even Washington, Texas could, you know, the lane would be pretty clear for them to pass one of those as well. Um, I, I think that, it, you know, looking at Texas is really the one I've thought of the most about because I do have futures on them to win the national championship. Um, and thinking about, okay, do I want to hedge this weekend? I um, uh, also have Oklahoma State to win the Big 12 at like plus 6,500 at a very small, very small amount. So I'm, I'm, I'm just kind of I'm waiting in, in murky waters this, this season. But uh, yeah, I think with, with Texas here, I think you might start thinking less about an exacta and more about um, bet them to make the playoffs in addition to winning this weekend like instead of a money line this weekend you probably get better odds for making the playoffs and then what you can do is you know start to hedge against them in the in the playoff as well so that's kind of my position there um i think in terms of exacta there's there's too many plausible combinations that you're probably better off uh getting a pencil and paper and just you know betting money lines instead of betting the exacta and tying yourself in to you know multiple events happening uh, overall um but the, the, yeah, I think the most interesting, I've seen Texas at like plus 900 uh, or something, even at this point to win the national championship. So you could potentially get back in there and then go money line against them and, and then survive in the playoff as well. Parker Fleming, college football analysis at Stats O War on Twitter. Great stuff. We appreciate it. And uh, man, it, it, even a deep dive down into uh, well the, the Conference USA and Sunbelt pictures available if you go to parker's twitter and some of those great uh graphs that he cooks for you every single week thanks again man we appreciate the time thanks for having me guys parker fleming again at statso war on uh twitter and and x and i i just this is the hard part for me guys like if a team beats another team at some point during the regular season that should matter I understand that at this point in the year, Alabama has become a better team than Texas. I, 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 especially if they beat Georgia, they will they will prove that they are a better team than Texas. Especially as Jalen Milrow has come around, but that shouldn't matter. Like when we break ties in the NFL or in Major League Baseball or the NBA or anywhere else in the world, we go, well, this team beat that team. So they get the advantage. They get to go to the playoffs instead of Team B. In college football, we still make it this subjective eye test as much as we lean into trying to make it more objective, Aaron, by adding more teams to the playoff or 
building conference championship games. If Texas and Bama are in some sort of situation where it's one or the other and they both got one loss in their conference champs, I go Texas. Yeah, I agree. I actually think that I'm looking forward to next year. I think this whole setup is weird. I find it annoying how <laughs> it just seems like maybe not the most deserving teams are getting in. It's just by the record. I'm honestly kind of sick of it. I'm I'm ready for a change. <laughs> <laughs> but aren't we going to argue about team number 13, though? Like next year, we're, we're still going to do yeah. this. Like, we're we always going to find something number... to argue it. Yeah. You're yeah, right. exactly. Like we argue about team number 69 in college basketball every year. Like it's just going to happen. Right. Yeah, it, it feels like, especially in a year where we've got four undefeated teams, that maybe it sets up well for the committee. But again, only one of those, or one of those four teams, a dog, in fact, in Washington, Oregon, which might be the most interesting of all these matchups this weekend, aside from Bama, Georgia. Coming up. Back into the NFL uh, as we take a look at some contest picks and GTFO or oh yeah.